0: Hey friends, this is Ashley. A quick note about this episode. We delve into issues surrounding mental health and mental well-being, so if that's not something you want to hear about, you might want to skip this episode. Thank you so much. Hey friends, welcome to Boss Barista, the podcast about workplace equity and employee empowerment in coffee and beyond. I'm Ashley Rodriguez. Ayasu Duce is the founder of The True Foundation, a nonprofit organization that aims to end childhood hunger and dispel misconceptions around mental health. These two issues might not seem to have much in common, but as Ayasu talks about in this episode, everything is connected, and he connects his larger mission under the umbrella of coffee. Ayasu is also the founder of Duce Coffee and it was always part of his plan to incorporate coffee into his community service work. For Ayasu, coffee shops are more than just places to imbibe delicious drinks, and even more than just community hubs. Coffee itself is a platform for social change. From a sign in the window welcoming all to a message on a bag of beans, coffee has the potential to spark big change, and Ayasu recognizes that and he utilizes the huge potential Hoffy has to change the world. Ayasu's goals might seem far-reaching and monumental, but he's also a proponent of small moments of change. With members of the True Foundation, he visits coffee shops and passes out messages of encouragement to patrons. To hand someone a piece of paper that says something like, you are enough, or you are loved, can be the difference in someone else's day someone else's life. What unites both his bigger goals and his smaller initiatives is that they center around coffee. For centuries, coffee shops have been beacons of intellectual discourse and societal movements, and I also see that power of coffee present in every corner of a coffee shop. I hope that as you listen to this episode, you can go back to either the coffee shop that you work at or the one that you visit often, and you can think about some ways that you can spark change and hopefully share kindness in that space. Just a quick note before you listen, you'll want to listen all the way through this episode for some updates on projects that is working on. Since we recorded, some of the dates and few of the details on the projects have shifted. Here's Ayasu. So Ayasu, I was hoping you can introduce yourself for everybody.
1: All right. So my name is Ayasu Duse. I am the executive director of True Community Foundation um, and owner of Duse Coffee. Um, Yeah, we're based in Atlanta, Georgia. Founded here, we're here now, and we're we're a very different type of company in the sense of our first, second, third, fourth, fifth priority is um, helping children. And helping people in need throughout the city of Atlanta uh, that might be dealing with mental illness, and we just provide, you know, a bridge between resources and people in need throughout the city.
0: Where does this story start for you? What inspired you to start this company?
1: Man, so I, so my aunt, uh, one of my aunts, she was diagnosed with schizophrenia. And um, a lot of the people, most of the people in my family, they didn't know what to really do. Um, my aunt didn't want to take medication, she didn't want to see a doctor. Um, I studied psychology uh, here at Georgia state and, um, and then finished in New York, um, actually in a performing arts school. But I had an understanding from when I was at Georgia State about what she was what she was dealing with and um, And so when I saw nobody was really going to step up to help her uh but was going to you know leave the situation to just pan out the way it was going to pan out i stepped in and i watched over her for a while i made sure she was okay i stayed with her and i really i really saw the dark side of that illness and i saw how once once i was once i saw the other side of it i saw how so many more people generally do deal with this and how easy it is to fall into into that place in life and so um yeah it was a very it was a very interesting and very hard time um and thankfully i experienced that before actually leaving to go live into uh well live in colombia medellin where i learned coffee and i I stayed on the farm and i i it was a it was past relationships her family um owned the farm and everything else but um (laughs) but i i was able to I was able to leave and then go stay in this beautiful place where I was able to contemplate and, and reflect off of what I had just learned and what I had just experienced uh helping my aunt. And um yeah, that's that's where kind of the two married. But it was it was a very it was a very hard and traumatic time. And so I that's where my 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 passion for helping people with mental illness came from and also where my love of coffee came from. Uh when I when I left and and, and stayed in Columbia Um, it was, it was almost like, of course, like a mini paradise, but, you know, with that, it's just so much room and opportunity to think and to grow and to be with yourself. That was the biggest thing. It was just me. Uh, when I moved there, I did, I wasn't fluent in Spanish (laughs) and it was a lot of sign languages and, 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 um, you know, pointing at things and, and it was a lot of, it was a lot of scraping by. Um, Thankfully, the people I was staying with, they were like family. And so um, it it just encouraged me to learn Spanish very quickly. But um, during that time, I mean, I can't communicate to anyone. Mm -hmm. And so I'm on the side of a mountain um, in this mini paradise, and I can't speak to anyone. So it really, really allowed me to really reflect on what I had just experienced and how I could do something about it uh, as far as impact and how I could actually make a difference with with something with me you know and um i went to medellin because i specifically wanted to learn um about coffee i wanted to learn the agricultural side before i learned the uh, customer service side and so i i was there learning how to plant and harvest and and they had a roaster on site and so i learned how to roast and importing and exporting taxes tariffs everything but while i was doing that it was it became so clear to me i was like this is the ground zero point of every community every society no matter what where no matter where you are you literally have a coffee shop you have a place where community comes together and meet and so why on earth would i allow something that huge uh to 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 just be a a a place where you can grab a beverage it's going to be all, it's always going to be a place to grab you know incredible coffee and that's the sole purpose of it but let's use it for something that could actually, that could possibly change, you know, millions of lives if possible. Um, And just, you know, really be that monumental platform internationally at some point. And so that, for me, I was like, coffee's everywhere, but also mental illness is everywhere as well. So let's do something about it.
0: So it made sense to kind of combine the two when you came back from Columbia.
1: Yeah, for me it was like if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna definitely combine it too. There's no way around that.
0: <laughs> so what was that like when you came back from Columbia ready like ready and raring to go? What did you do?
1: Um, well, I I took I wanted I took it very seriously in the sense of I wanted to learn everything about um every aspect of the of business. So I, I had spent time in Colombia, I learned the agricultural side and, and what happens, you know, on the farms with farmers. But when I came back, I wanted to learn, you know, the business side and also the customer service side um, because I was in, you know, uh, performing arts. I was I was good with, you know, communication and people and, and, and you know, approaching individuals and stuff like that. So um, I worked as a manager. I worked as a barista. I worked um, corporate. I worked for I worked three. I worked for three companies specifically um, so that I could get a feel of a mom and pop shop, a corporation and um and a, i call it a new age kind of shop something that uh, a business i would start uh, that started within 4 years generally uh that you know just went over their second milestone and and to get a feel of what they're what they're doing how how that works and how i could learn so i could you know do it for myself and so uh when i came back i wanted to learn those things and yeah so i did
0: That's awesome. It's <laughs> i mean not to be flippant but that's a lot more research than most business owners of coffee shops do before they open their own businesses. So, uh, I think, I think it's super common for people to be like, I'm just gonna open a coffee shop. That seems easy, but it seems like you have this bigger idea that there are so many points of connection in communities and there are so many ways that people are affected by hunger, mental illness. Why don't I, why don't I connect them in places that we all meet? Um, and so your business touches on a lot of different things. It touches on mental health, like you said. It touches on coffee, but it also touches on food insecurity and hunger. Yeah. So how did you? Th- this feel. This feels like a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot, but it's it was a lot um, because I knew. What's interesting is it fell into place. It actually, it just it fell into place on its own. Um, I knew that you know my love for coffee. And my love for helping people was going to be what, you know, was going to be the foundation of it all. And I knew mental health had to be the core and center of it all um, as well. But I was actually approached while we were just doing community work, while we were helping people um, that were outside in the cold months and outside in the hot months And, and while we were like doing things in the community. Um, I was approached by four counselors, um, well, two teachers, two counselors, and they didn't know each other. They all were, you know, tagged, tied into different schools. They had never met each other before in their lives. And they said the same thing. They said, hey, is there something that you think you can do for, you know, kids in school? Because I see a lot of issues, you know, being a counselor. I see a lot of issues being a teacher um, that I don't really know how to address. Um, and it, and, and I feel it does tie in with mental health. And I immediately, I was like, tell me more, you know, what, 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 is, what are the things? And I had one teacher tell me, um, misdiagnosis is just running rampant in the sense of a kid, uh, experiencing food insecurity at home, uh, is not eating enough, comes to school and can't focus and might be labeled as dyslexic. Mm-hmm or might be labeled as disruptive because they might be uh, uneasy or upset or rowdy. And, um, due to that, you know, they're prescribed medication that they might not actually need simply because, you know, they're hungry.
0: Yeah. That's a huge point. Uh, I'm, I'm a, te- I used to be a teacher, uh, back in 2009, 2010, and we would get training on so many different things on Maslow's hierarchy of needs of how to do differentiated learning, all of these things, but I was Mm -hmm. never once trained on how to identify kids who are struggling outside the home or outside the classroom, excuse me. Like, I would never, no one ever told me, like, maybe a child who is not able to focus doesn't have food at home, or maybe a child who is acting out in class needs something else that is outside of the classroom. And it's, pretty jarring actually how little training teachers are given about the things outside of the classroom that they can't that they can't necessarily control within the confines of the classroom but can address in services or being able to talk to counselors or things like that and i imagine that that's something you've probably
1: had to deal with as well definitely um the first thing uh one of my one of the counselors said was that you know the first question should be are you hungry Mm -hmm i mean whether they are or not or whether they're going through something or not like she, she, she specifically said that um the amount that she said that she had literally asked that's her first one question like literally every single time that uh she has somebody that comes into her office with some issues or going through something but she she said it was around almost like 50 50 two out of four people. When she asks, they're immediately like, yes, I need something to eat. And then she can dig into, you know, are, are you actually hungry altogether? Is is are is that food at home? What's going on? And just that one approach by that one individual um, has changed that bubble around her and around her students. And so what she was saying, of course, was like, you know, that needs to be the first question for everybody. You know, if that's the first question, then we can we can at least start the conversation there, you know
0: and it's so powerful the idea that just one person can ask just one question because the idea yeah. of food insecurity especially for children feels like a huge daunting problem right like you say mm-hmm. it out loud even right now and you're like wow there's so many kids mm-hmm. that we have to help but small interventions are incredibly pivotal
1: mhm absolutely absolutely um and that's what we're trying to do it's it's, it's funny because it's not we don't have a massive massive platform yet we're not you know 30 people you know deep as far as who's who's a part of the team we we have eight people and everybody is impacted and some has been impacted in some way by either either a child who they knew or they were that child and so um we're just trying to take each step one step at a time uh, we're taking our, our. We took our first step. Actually, we we um, provided over three thousand lunches this year, COVID year, literally 2020, uh, to kids who um, were experiencing food insecurity at home, and we literally just did that to try to to see. We did a little R and D, we research and and development, and we wanted to see, you know, how many kids were in this position. How like how much food did they need? How much would it take? What would the price points be? Okay, it's you. Is it your family as well? How many siblings do you have at home? Are your parents in a better position as well? Do they need food too? So we we provided a lot of food this year um, for a lot of kids and a lot of kids' families, and it was it was interesting because every single school we approached latched onto our program literally it was just like, yeah, we have kids. The first school was 64 kids plus their siblings, plus their parents. So it was, it was, that number got up there pretty quickly. um And so we did what we're actually going to do full-time next year. And that's just work directly with schools in Henry County with our program that we've developed um to provide dinner for children that only eat at school um with the utmost discretion. And um, for them to take home with them for them and their families, if needed, um, throughout well during any furlough holiday and every seasonal break—winter, spring, summer, and fall—and um, throughout the weekends, uh, throughout January fifteenth all the way through December thirty-first. And so we're we're going to be doing that and getting the getting the method and the approach perfect so that we can execute it on a larger scale.
0: Can you talk a little bit about those gaps? Because I think when we talk about food insecurity and children specifically, we talk about free and reduced school lunch primarily, but we don't mm-hmm. often talk about kids who don't have food on the weekends or mm-hmm. summer or breaks. Yeah.
1: So I think, I think the, uh, the, the system in place is actually a, a great one. I think that the the city of Atlanta is doing a great job, um, with helping kids in school. Uh, but the thing literally that, that people don't, Ask or don't even see, of course, because it's not in front of our faces is that, okay, they have to go home, you know, and if if they're receiving free lunch at school, um, they might not have anything at home. And so that one time they're eating is the only time they're eating during the day. And a lot of kids, of course, like, um, they'll be able to get breakfast and lunch, but in many cases, the buses might arrive late. There might be a student that takes a little longer. If they miss that, if they, if the bus arrives late and they miss breakfast, then it really is that one meal that they're receiving during the day. And that's, that's something of course, that the counselors has brought to my attention as well, that they don't, they know many students that only eat that one meal. And so, um, the programs, the school programs are set in place, but what we're trying to do is we're trying to help the kid when they're not in school.
0: Yeah. And I imagine that this this must be exacerbated now during COVID when so many oh, students yeah. are, are are home right now. And I think the national conversation has often been about students maybe falling behind or not having access to educational resources, which is which is key. Let's be clear. It's still incredibly important. Mm-hmm but we're not as much talking about the gap in food.
1: Um, since, definitely since COVID began, I've seen more talk and more buzz around the subject. Uh, I've, I've seen more than I've ever seen. Uh, but even with that, it's, it, the attention is on right now, you know, with kids being out of school and knowing how things go, especially with the media, especially with the country and how, you know, things happen and then you move on. Uh, once the kids go once the kids go back to school, this might be an issue that is just forgotten again or fall it falls through the uh, cracks and and we still have this massive issue and the issue was never when it when when the kids were at home the issue was when they were in school and so the issue uh just you know multiplied when they when when kids weren't in school anymore and I commend you know Cobb county and um you know henry county and uh, uh all the different counties in Atlanta and near Atlanta that provided free meals and allowed kids to come to school and get free meals while they were at home but once kids go back to school the issue is still there it still stands and um you know this is this is a this is a marathon not a sprint and that and so what we're trying to do as a company is we're trying to be the long-term solution for this problem we're trying to not forget about it not you know look over and and you know, once things get a little better as far as kids going back, not completely forget about the fact that it's not it's never been about kids being in school It's, it's when they go home.
0: That's a really good point. So how does coffee connect to your larger mission?
1: Um, coffee, coffee, coffee. I see I see coffee as the platform and the voice to be able to reach people. Um, that's what I see the coffee company as is it's it's the communication and the education that we can provide to an entire community of people who love coffee and everybody loves coffee of course you know coffee and tea and so with this platform we can literally reach people who we who we generally wouldn't be able to reach and and inform and educate people on this issue uh, parents and grandparents and friends and families and soon-to-be parents and etc on this problem and how they can help
0: yeah so you have the true foundation which if you Mm -hmm. go to that website gives you a ton of information about the work that you do to end childhood hunger and how you address the connection between mental illness and childhood hunger. And then you have do say coffee, that's a different website and yeah. that's where you can buy coffee and you can talk a little bit about, um, some of the ways the two sort of companies are connected. So when mm-hmm. someone goes to do say coffee and they buy a bag of beans, let's say like, what kind of impact does that have? Like how, how, how is holding that bag of coffee ideally going to maybe activate someone to take action?
1: So from, you know, the packaging to the bio to uh, even everything about the coffee, we, we wanted that to reflect the mission. And so even from the seal, our seal says, you know, fighting against mental illness in the city of Atlanta that starts and starts to question, okay, so, you know, specifically what type of mental illness are, you know, um, you know, how are you guys fighting against it? Um, we are different. Oh, it's so beautiful. Our, our different coffees, um, they just, they just have personalities of their own. Like we have our valor coffee or we, we're bringing it back in 2021. And, Valor specifically for, you know, veterans who have served and, um, you know, people in the military currently, uh, every in that specific area, we wanted to raise awareness on the fact of, you know, these guys and girls they're, they're they might be experiencing PTSD, they might be experiencing homelessness right now um the the facts are just you know astounding as far as like how how many people who that how many people have come back from overseas and are experiencing homelessness right now and and aren't able to get help because they're not in our world you know they're experiencing uh mental illness on an, a drastic level and so we we packaged and and created the packaging for that to specifically talk about that uh haduma haduma is Swahili for services. And so um, it's, it's our Ugandan single origin coffee, and it's specifically, we talk about it on the packaging um, as far as how mental health is so important within the service industry. Uh, you know, the numbers are really, really, really ugly as far as uh, suicide rates and uh, overdose rates and uh, alcohol abuse rates in the service industry. And, what we, and we do things, particularly in Atlanta. Uh, to help fight against that by working with companies like The Giving Kitchen and and by, you know, going to different bars and actually having that conversation with bartenders and servers and, and people in the industry and, and providing that bridge as well for them. And, and and yeah, it's been it's been impactful. It's been powerful. I know through through that coffee alone, we were approached by restaurants right off the bat on how we can what can we provide for their staff in order to um, just provide resources and, and be a bridge for them if they ever need it. And, you know, just to see that it's like, you know, it's coffee, you know, and, and a company reaching out just based off the bag. It's um I feel like that's definitely, that's just powerful. That's impactful. That's definitely the purpose of it all. You know, the coffee is the education.
0: It's pretty incredible to see just how far reaching your organization goes because i think you know at the beginning we started talking about children and food insecurity and we talked obviously about mental health and mental illness and it just keeps going you talk about <laughs> you talk about mental health for service workers um on the website you talk about mental health for teens you just talked about mental health yeah. services for veterans and i think i think at first glance it can feel like oh my goodness there's so much but i think when you were talking earlier about how we are all connected by coffee in some way. We've all been to a coffee shop. We've all used a coffee shop as a place to gather, or we've met people there. It all sort of mm-hmm. makes sense when you think about it like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's so many different app. Everybody, literally. I've, every, I want to say, I, t- I said this earlier, um, almost every associate that I'm working with now, literally, I've probably met in a coffee shop. All from different walks of life from different businesses and backgrounds and you know strong points and etc like I kid you not I think everybody I'm working with I met in a coffee shop that that says enough right there and so if coffee is literally a platform that can change the world because it's everywhere it touches every community it touches everybody and I just I definitely just want that platform to also be a beacon for change as far as in mental health and helping people who might not think that there's help out there or might not think that um there's relief like we i was i was if you're in atlanta i don't know if we can say names of coffee shops yeah go ahead like we well i was in chrome yellow once and um we were just doing some something we call caring cups. And basically it's an origami cup that we put a Jolly Rancher in and we just, we write words of encouragement to combat, combat against, um, um, uh, depression and anxiety and stress and et cetera. Just letting people know in Atlanta that they're loved and that somebody's thinking about them and write something encouraging. So they, so that they know, you know, um, every single ca- uh, carrying cup is written by somebody, um, a different individual It's the, no two is the, are the same. And, um. And so I was writing one I, with a, I was making them with a group of people at Chrome Yellow and a lady, um, a good friend of mine now, she, she came up to us, wanted to know what we were doing and she filled out one of, of her own and she, she filled it out. Like it was inside and out, just all, you know, words of encouragement and you'll be okay and don't, you know, don't give in and et cetera, and et cetera. It was all, I, I was able to do so just through the connection through a coffee shop one. And through doing good and trying to change someone's life and just, you know, let someone know that they're loved. Um, when she, I gave her one that we were already made making and she she just broke down in tears because um, it was what she needed to see. She was what she needed to hear. She couldn't believe that people cared enough to write down something like you are loved on a piece of paper and give it to a stranger. She couldn't believe it. Right. And, you know, little did I know she was dealing with all those things at home. Behind closed doors, and so um, she, we're still in contact now. She, uh, before COVID hit, she, she actually would come to our events and talk to people about the situation. And you know, it's wild because at our last event, there were two individuals um, that I got the same kind of feeling from when I was speaking to them that she spoke to uh, that also came out with dealing with the same thing. And it's just, it, it, it was interesting because before my very eyes, I was able to see them decide whether they were comfortable enough because it was, it, it, that's so, that's such a vulnerable thing, you know? Like imagine saying that to someone, mm-hmm. that you're dealing with these things. Immediately people or, you know, society would probably be like, you're dangerous, get away from me. Oh, you're crazy. I don't want to be around you, et cetera. And so I was able to see them make the decision because they met her to open up and receive help.
0: It's, and We were
1: able to get them help as well.
0: It just speaks to the power of really small gestures. Just mm-hmm. being, being somewhere and giving something. And it doesn't yeah. have to be big. Just giving that origami cup saying you are loved. You never know. What someone needs in any given moment, and what's the worst thing that can happen in that moment, too? Like somebody mm-hmm. like scoffs it. They're like, "Haha, whatever." It's like, okay, fine. Yeah. But then you might reach the person who needs the most that you might not know needed it.
1: Yeah. I've never, I've never had an experience where someone wasn't either in tears when I gave it to them, or when my team, somebody on my team, is giving it to them, or they were overjoyed at the fact that somebody even cared enough, you know, to write it. Um, it's, um, it's so simple. It's so simple. It's a jolly rancher and a piece of paper, but it is so impactful is, is and that, and that's just, that's what captivates me is, is how you can really change lives and, and change, you know, the undertone and the, and the circumstance within a city, you know, just through thinking outside the box with doing something simple like that. You know,
0: I think that's important for baristas to hear because we interact with people so often and we interact often with the same people every day and it can be for a minute it can be for five minutes and i think it's easy to forget for a lot of people going into the coffee shop or seeing a barista or getting that latte with with a heart or whatever you put in it is often for a lot of people is the best part of their day
1: yeah yeah 100 percent. so i Um, think it's important for
0: baristas to to hopefully take this in and think like even just a smile or a compliment um and and to be clear you know service work is incredibly labor intensive the emotional labor required yeah. to do service work is incredibly is incredibly difficult um and, but yeah. I but I also want to encourage folks to remember that like very small gestures can mean so much
1: yeah yeah it's it's very I trust me I mean I've been there as well you know you, you wake up super early. It might not be the best day. You know, there's a lot of people who of course might be rude or, you know, standoffish that you might see before, Um, you know, get into that really nice individual that's, you know, uh, just very kind and et cetera. But, you know, it, it, it what clicked with me when I was, when I was a barista was like, it, I really did see um on a day to day with myself, how literally every interaction I had um was impacting someone's life, of course. You know, I had the power to either send you off with a negative and bad taste in your mouth or whether I were I was or to hand you a beverage that you've been looking forward to. You drove all the way here for and then you go about your day and you have a great day. Or at least I at least, um you know, push the energy towards you having a great day. And it could be something that that helped you get there. Um, It's 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 There's so much power in how you know you treat others and how um how you also tr- give off that energy that positivity and um I think that we have as baristas and as people in coffee, like we literally have so much power because we are the first thing people see during the day most times you know <laughs> we we give them that cup of joy that they need before they go and tackle the world you know and so our the at, literally their first interactions with us a lot of the times and so. Um, you really have a lot of power in your hands, whether you can make or break a person's day, you know?
0: Tell me about some of the projects you're working on for the end of the year.
1: Um, So for the end of the year, uh, we, so this week, Thanksgiving week, this weekend, we are doing our annual Keeping Atlanta Warm Drive. Um, Our first year I did, I just, I did it with just family and friends. I probably raised maybe 50 garments Uh, last year. Um, we were able to get 600, and that's you know, hats, scarves, blankets, um, jackets, all those things, thermals, etc. Um, and then this year we're estimated to have over 3,000 because we've gotten so many companies that are you know just throwing clothes and, and garments at us that are you know brand new, just wanting to get them in people's hands that might be outside, uh, stuck in the winter. And, and after the, the the climate changes and uh, we actually were able to work with Adidas uh, recently as far as helping the polling stations and um, uh, veterans during Veterans Day and um, and uh, something we did during the uh, our voting day. Uh, we just went around Atlanta and, and, and identified different vets and went to different nonprofits and um, and tried to connect people back with the VA and provide resources and et cetera. And Adidas gave us over five K worth of stuff. And amongst that stuff are thermals, and so we're gonna be we're gonna be using those thermals again uh, this year as well uh, for our keeping Atlanta warm drive, and um, that's gonna be this week. And yeah, keep a lookout as far as us on um, Instagram, which is True Community Foundation, and uh, our website, which is True Community Foundation, for updates on you know if you have any uh, what, is, what is there's a term? It's, it's like lightly loved or gently loved, <laughs> gently loved clothes and garments and et cetera, things that, um, of course, are washed, please, and, um, and intact and, and, and everything else that somebody could use um, in, in the colder months. That's going to be this Saturday, I believe.
0: That's awesome. So it could be as simple as a coffee shop or a community hub getting in touch with you and saying, hey, can we yeah. set a box out to collect uh, gently oh, used mm-hmm. items?
1: Yes, 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 yes. And so, um, just a little information about what, why we do that literally. Um, so everything ties back with, uh, mental health and, um, hypothermia one, like I, uh, I said earlier is, um uh, is one of the worst wait worst ways to go. Um, and it's just not something I think is, is humane as far as like how somebody should ever pass away. And, um, There's so many people left outside during the winter uh, after the seasons change. And so uh, with no options, a lot of the shelters are full stacked, you know, every single night and people are just outside. And so um, like digging into talking to our friends over at Grady and and digging into the, um, the physical aspect of what, you know, hypothermia is and and what it does to your body and how it affects you. What's interesting is. When when a human being is left under uh, outside in extreme weather conditions, like you know extreme heat, one hundred two, one hundred five degrees, and and in um, and, and, and in very cold conditions, like t- ten degrees, twenty degrees, hot, like whatever Georgia's feeling, you know, during the year, um, your your body fluctuates so often that um, it actually, after a point, just gives up. And so if and something that I would see when I would be on the street and um, handing out stuff is, is people who have been on the street for a long period of time, their hands and their feet are three or four times the size because the body just says, you know, I'm just going to be ready for whatever weather condition it is. And with that, um, you know, people in that situation are more prone to blood clots, strokes, heart, uh, heart disease. And, um, and mental, definitely mental illness, Um, just like your hands and feet can fluctuate in size and, um, and cetera, So does your brain. And so what we try, what we're trying to do one is raise awareness on this issue, every single year, making sure that people know people are outside and if they can help to please help. But also to meet people where they are and, and just load them up, load them up with ponchos for when it rains and their stuff doesn't get soaked. And then, you know, it freezes at night and then they're in soaked clothes when it's 20 degrees, like things like that. And also like loading them up with socks and, and jackets and hats and gloves and et cetera. And so we we're we I mean, we're drastically growing as far as our, our annual drive. And so that's going to be this week.
0: How can coffee shops get involved in some of the other initiatives you're involved in?
1: Um, so yeah, this is going to be it's going to be very fun, very very fun. Um, so to start the year off next year January 15th for kids when they go back to school, um, we're actually working with Oatly, one of the one of the fundraisers that we're doing um is with Oatly and we're working with coffee shops. That are going to derive either, you know, a very popular drink on their menu, or create a uh, entire drink just, you know, for the proceeds to go to the lunches directly. Um, and Oatly is going to be providing all the milk for these shops, and um, we're going to be doing this throughout the month of December and January. Um, we're looking at trying to have at least 65 shops in the southeast and on the east coast uh, all on board to just raise funds for the kids' lunches, uh, of course, because lunches, you know, take money to, to provide, dinners take money to provide. And so um, that's one way that, you know, people can help. Um, if you know somebody who owns a shop, if you own a shop, if you're a manager at a shop and you want to take part, please reach out to us. Um, but also another way is the petition that we're starting this week. So we're asking 250 people, to donate a hundred dollars each um, we we're, do, we're focusing you know this on this week Thanksgiving week, Black Friday week, Cyber Monday week because we understand you know people have budgets for those things and if if you have a hundred dollars in your budget that you want to do some good with that you want to give to a charity, help us please help us out you know like throw that our way a um, hundred dollars provides 10 dinners for kids to eat, literally ten. Uh we've we've gotten the price down to ten dollars a dinner uh for them to for us to be able to provide a kid with to take home with them. Um and two hundred and fifty people giving a hundred bucks will uh provide all the dinners that we need for an entire quarter, the first quarter of next year. Um our approach is we're focusing on 150 kids in Henry County to be a part of our program to receive lunches our dinners. Um, every holiday, every furlough, um, every weekend and every winter uh, throughout the winter, spring, summer, and fall break. And so, um, yeah, if you, if you can, if you have the means, please send that our way, um, are the links and everything, all the information on where your money is going to be going and how it's going to be broken down. It's going to be on our website. And we're actually launching that today going into this week. And, um, and it's going to be open all the way through January 15th when kids go back to school. So if you have the means, please do it. Um, and we also ask that if you know, if you can, identify five people around you also that might have the means to be able to do it as well. And if you if they can, you know, insist that they you know, find five people around them that can do the same thing. Um, we just, we definitely need all the help we can get as far as providing these lunches. And so if you can, yeah, please do. And please spread the word.
0: Ayasu, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank you so much.
0: <laughs> that was Ayasu say. Founder of the True Foundation and Duce Coffee in Atlanta, Georgia. You can learn more about the True Foundation by checking out their website and following them on Instagram. As I mentioned earlier, there are some updates on projects that I also mentions in this episode. The Keeping Atlanta Warm Drive will now be hosted on Friday, December 11th from 3 to 5 at Chrome Yellow, and they're working on a second drop off location in the Atlanta area, so you should check out their Instagram for updates. After working with Oatly on The Best Time to Have Their Fundraiser, they decided that the month of February would actually be the best fit, so the True Foundation will run this fundraiser for the entire month of February, hopefully with 65 or more coffee shops. Their official petition week, which is to encourage patrons to make direct donations of $100, will begin Monday, December 7th, leading into the Keeping Atlanta warm drive. If you donate $100 or more dollars to the True Foundation, you'll receive two free bags of their community blend from Juicy Coffee. Donations will directly pay for lunch and dinners for children in the Atlanta area, and the True Foundation is also looking for matching sponsors, so please reach out if you're interested. Lastly, the True Foundation will be working with 50 specific kids in Henry County as opposed to 150 kids. This change reflects a desire to work more closely with the families of children affected by hunger. As I mentioned earlier, if you want to learn more about the True Foundation, go to their website, www.truecommunity.foundation, and you can follow them on Instagram at True Foundation. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. I'm just looking for a better day. Boss barista is produced by me, Ashley Rodriguez. You can find a transcription of this episode on my newsletter, along with an accompanying article about this episode every Thursday at bosperista.substack.com. To support the show, you can visit www.patreon.com/bosperista. We have over 80 patrons supporting the show right now, which is incredible. And that helps keep the show alive. We pay guests through this fund, we pay for website hosting, and we make donations. Half of our patron donations are currently pledged to five different nonprofits, each at $50 a month. Asada's Daughters, the Loveland Foundation, the Native American Rights Fund, the Grocery Run Club, and the Chicago Community Bond Fund. Again, if you wanna support Boss Barista, consider making a monthly donation www.patreon.com slash boss barista. Another amazing way to support the show is to share this episode with just one person, a friend, someone who you think would learn something from this episode, anybody. Sharing on social media is also a huge help, along with giving us a five-star review on Apple iTunes. As a small production, these things matter a lot. So if you can take a little time Share out some of your favorite quotes from this episode and tag us. That would be amazing. We're at Boss Barista Podcast on Instagram and Boss underscore barista on Twitter. You can also send me an email at bossbaristapodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.